Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and like us on Facebook on It's a Long Beach Thing. We have a great episode for you today. We have my new friend, the founder of The 562, JJ Fiddler with us. Hey, JJ, how are you today? I'm good, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Appreciate that. Well, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, sounds good. What's your association with this great city of Long Beach? Well, I came to Long Beach to go to Long Beach State. And after a very short time here, I realized I wasn't going to leave. Um, I met my business partner, Mike Gardabasio, at Long Beach State. We were working at the uh, alternative weekly newspaper there, the Union Weekly. And when college was over, we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, let's let's just keep doing the same thing. Uh, so, you know, writing news, mostly sports here in the city, uh, has allowed me to stay, but but more kind of adopt it as my home, or it adopted me as as, as my home, because um, that's what it feels like now. And uh, just just so so lucky to have uh, to have found the people here that I found to to settle down here. That's awesome. So where did you come from? What uh, city or state did you come from? Uh, I grew up uh, mostly uh, out in the Inland Empire, a little place. Oh, called, so you're still local? Okay. Yeah, a little place called Menifee. Uh, but that's that's the desert. This is this is the beach, and I'd, I'd much rather the beach. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you have any uh, visits to Long Beach as a kid? Maybe to the Queen Mary or anything of that nature? Definitely went to the Queen Mary a few times. Uh, I went to my first rock show where my parents weren't there at the uh, Long Beach Arena. Uh, bad religion and Blink One Eighty Two, so that's a that's a a good memory burned into my brain. Um, but yeah, Queen Mary a couple times definitely, and uh, and just that whole area down there. But gosh, it's changed so much; it looks completely different. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you you developed this the five six two. I mean, you're coming out of college here, and obviously you got to pay the bills. And so what what did you do to uh, Keep yourself afloat while uh, building this company. Yeah, bar- barely, huh? Uh, a, a variety of odd jobs. Uh, I've I've always had a lot of very strange jobs. My first job was flipping a sign for a real estate company on the on the corner. Um, so yeah, so I, I did a bunch of different stuff. Uh, I worked in retail. I delivered some pizzas. I opened uh, the golf uh, uh, course down the street. I was the starter for the golf course. And I was just doing all the things I could do early in the morning because I knew in the afternoon that's when I would want to do my writing and go to events and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, myself and uh, like I said, my partner Mike Artabasio, we both worked some some jobs we probably didn't want to work in order to get enough time to start writing and start our own site. Uh, we started our own site that was called with the Long Beach Post, and then we kind of bounced around to a different uh, different newspapers and different organizations. And now with the 562.org, it's our 501c3, it's our nonprofit, uh, and we're able to really cover whatever we want, which is all Long Beach sports all the time. 
So you said you were a starter. Where were you a starter at? Uh, Recreation Park, Big Rec. Right on. I was a, I was a starter there too. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, mostly in Sky, mostly at Skylinks, and then when Skylinks closed for the remodel in the early two thousands, I moved over to Big Rec for a little bit. So I don't know what what area you were there at. Wow, I I was probably right after you. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. What a small world. Yeah. And enjoyed my time in that pro shop. Enjoyed more the free rounds of golf I got to play after closing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what was your affinity with, with uh, sports? I mean, you, obviously what you're doing is local Long Beach sports. So you ob obviously have a passion for sports. So where did that come into play? Um, well, I think obviously my grandfather, my, my father, both big sports fans, um, and just just growing up around my dad, he always just wanted to have the game on, whatever the game was. It didn't really matter what the sport was. And I think that's why I love sports so much is because it's it's the wide variety. You know what I mean? The wide world of sports. Uh, anything can be athletic. Anything can be competitive. And I really just like watching. <laughs> I really just like watching human beings do things that I couldn't possibly do or do things that no one can do or when you know you're watching something and you're like, this is the best version of this in the world right now. Not a lot of people get that. You know, if you work in, I don't know, math, there's not like math competitions, <laughs> Rubik's cube competition is the closest thing you're going to get. And um, when, when you get to be a sports fan, like, Oh, I get to watch this or watch that. Like I'll sit down and enjoy Olympic handball as much as I will the Dodger game, because to me it's art and it's a competition of art and, watching different versions of it over and over and over again. I think that's why I wanted to get into sports and, and do what I'm doing. I don't want to be a beat writer for a, for a team. I want to cover as many different sports as possible. And in Long Beach, that's perfect because the, the wide world of sports is here in Long Beach from football to water polo to, you know, anything. There's so many different opportunities for athletes here in the city. And there's so many great athletic events We've got the Grand Prix and the Congressional Cup in April. These are like two of the most important and prestigious events for IndyCar and, uh, you know, the the sailboats that they use down there, one of the, the Catalina 22s. Um, you know, other than Indianapolis 500 and the America's Cup, those, those are the races. And they're just in our backyard. Th that is unparalleled. I, there's not another city in the world like Long Beach when it comes to that stuff. That's fantastic. And I love the local angle of your company. Was that always the plan or did you kind of fall into that? It was always the plan. Uh, it was just a silly idea I had one day where I was like, what if we called, what, what if we covered local sports like they used to in the newspaper, but instead of putting it on the newspaper, we put it online. And that was right when YouTube was start getting big and I was always huge uh, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann fans, the original Sports Center duo. I was always huge fans of them. And uh, myself and my, my partner, Mike, and I was like, why don't we just call the highlights? Why don't we just video the kids and pretend it's Sports Center and just call the highlights? And that really, that really exploded on YouTube. And people, people didn't really know what to do with us at first. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think that's what got us the attention. And then we were able to parlay that into the writing and the photography and all that other stuff that we wanted to do as part of the package of local sports online. Um, but the YouTube channel was, was the catalyst for sure. I'm, I'm really fascinated with this because I think this is, you're an inspiration to a lot of young kids, especially in the journalism world. 
Um, you know, we're in a, in a, in a time where, oh, you know, newspapers are dead or this or that. And there's a lot of uh, pushback of getting into that field. And here you are. And when you got out of college, obviously that was the same, uh, the, the same message like, Hey, newspapers are dead. Probably you want to find a different career, this and that, but you leaned in, you leaned in and, and with your partner and, and got the job done. Um, which is kudos to you and kudos to your, your, your work ethic. How long did it take for you guys to feel like, okay, all right, I got my flow now. I, I really feel like I can expand this. I don't need to work these five other jobs. I can just do this. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was, well, what's interesting about uh, our situation was, like I said, we started the Long Beach Post Sports and that was, you know, we were making dimes, eating ramen every night, um, but we were we were really excited about it. You know what I mean? It was something new. People were people were excited about it in the city, and there's just this kind of buzz around Long Beach, and I can't really explain. Explain, but it kept us going. Um, so we were not making a lot at Long Beach Post, and then it was just kind of like people would would find us. Uh, Simon Simon Grieve at the Gazette, the Grundy Gazette down there on Second Street. He saw our stuff in the post and when the post was kind of running out the base, he was like, you guys want to come over here and do this at the Gazette. So the Gazette and then uh, we then eventually took over the press telegram for a while. Those newspaper jobs, I think, were the time where we were like, OK, we can we can do this now uh, because there was a little stability. But uh, I think one of the reasons why we've been successful is because we just go year to year. You know, we we don't we want to plan out. We want to have a future. But. We think of it athletic year to athletic year, you know, August to June. And we really hammer home, this is it. We're doing it this year. This is it. We'll deal with next year, next year, but we got to get it now. And I think that that, that attitude and that approach to sports uh, where you don't want to wait for the next opportunity, you want to get it right now. I think people I think people appreciate that. And that that vibe, I guess, comes across where um, we might not do it again. We might not be back next year. So it gives it a little bit of an edge. Mm. You, and what I also love about it is I, I, I went to St. Anthony High School, a smaller school in Long Beach, and you're covering St. Anthony, which I think is a great thing. You're covering all schools, and I, and I, I, I think that is a wonderful thing. How do you organize it? I, I Obviously, I get you have your fall sports, you have spring sports, but I'm sure there's more of a, a science to it than just that. Yeah, at first, we definitely want to get as many schools and teams involved as possible. Um, you know, I remember being a, a high school athlete and having my name in the newspaper. And it was just, you know, not even an article about me. It was just a mention of something that my team did and what that felt like uh, that somebody had seen me, you know, especially at that age. So when we first start a season, like let's say in the fall, we want to make sure everybody gets their shine at least a little bit. But then I think that the success and the stories of teams do dictate where we are and who we're covering. If we've got a Long Beach Poly football team that's undefeated headed into the playoffs, we're going to be doing a lot of Long Beach football coverage because they're the best team in the city and they're the most interesting and all that stuff. Um, we've also done a lot of coverage on a team that might not be as successful on the field, but they have great stories. But you're not going to know that until you get into the season. So our goal is get everybody theirs. But then also read and react. If there's a great story, go do that story. 
don't worry about it. Oh, I, I have to do this or I have to do that. Once the hit, once it hits kind of like the middle of the season, you know what the story of the season is going to be. And then, it, and then it's your job to go tell it. What type of relationship do you have with the coaching staffs of different um, athletics? I'm sure that's extremely important, especially when you want to get access. So how, how does that, uh, how's that formula come about? Yeah. Sports, sports is all relationships. Um, some sports more than others, but, but really all of them are based on, you know, where, where did you come from? Who coached you? You know, th- those connections that kind of shapes what type of athlete you are. And in journalism, it's the same thing. You're only as strong as your sources. And when we started, our whole point was we are not going to be the guys who uh, predict high school games or, you know, write about uh, high school kids like they're professional athletes. That's that's not what that's not what it's about. What it's about is the kids. So when you go to a coach and you're saying, hi, I want to shine more light on your student athletes, they're going to be about it. So we wanted to make sure that that was our approach going in. Making friends with people who basically volunteer their time to help kids because you're kind of trying to do the same thing. They're very amenable to that. So the the relationship with the coaches was always the number one most important thing. You had to get in with the coach because a kid, 15, 16 year old high school kid, they're going to, you know, uh, reflect their leadership. And if the coach likes you, the kid's going to like you. So we really, really worked hard on, you know, maybe we'll go to a a practice and we're not even writing an article. We're just going to stand there. And then the coach kind of comes over and you, you know, shoot the S a little bit. And then you're you're talking, 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 then they go do something then they come back and they see in you that you're just trying to do good by the kids and having that relationship where you're both just doing good by the kids that, that took care of a lot of what you're talking about, where the coach will be more, uh, likely to call you if there's a breaking news story as opposed to, oh, I don't know, that journalist, he's kind of a gotcha journalist. He just wants to write a story. That's not what we're about. So that really helped us out. Explain to our viewers, your organization, I, I think I think it's a nonprofit. So how how does your business work and how are, how are you able to generate income? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I didn't hear you. Oh, sorry. I, I was I was saying, um, explain to our viewers uh, how you guys generate income because I know you guys are a nonprofit. How how do you get uh, income from what you do? Well, the classic newspaper model has been advertisers. Uh, you know, local businesses putting advertising in the newspaper. That's a huge. You mentioned earlier, uh, print is dead, which uh, people will read again. It's just going to be <laughs> it's just going to be a different way. Um, that was always the model, advertising in the newspaper. Now, we've been able to do some of that at these uh, other places, the Gazette, Press-Telegram, um, but not as much in the 562 because this was our goal. We think this is going to be the future of media, not just the future of local sports. Uh, I think more people are going to have more faith in their local news reporting than, let's say, a local affiliate of ABC or a CNN because they don't know the person who did that story. They don't know the producer. They don't know the writer. They don't know the reporter. But locally, if you have some skin in the game, you might be more likely to believe or trust a local news source because you know the reporter. You know their stuff. You know what they could. And then when you have that trust, then that you know this, this war against the media is misplaced. 
The war is against misinformation, not the media. So the media itself can be more trustworthy if it's local. And that's what our goal is. Our goal is local community-funded news organization for us, by us. So the local, the community itself is supporting the thing that's supporting the community. And it just keeps going around and around. So we have people who uh, sponsor our schools. We have people who sponsor our sports. We have people who sponsor our standings boxes, our live updates, our podcasts, our videos, all of that stuff in order to support the thing that we're supporting. So it just keeps going round and round and round. And it's really worked out because I think a lot of people really enjoy, like I said, like having skin in the game, being part of it, because that's what really anybody wants in a community is to just be a part of it. And Long Beach Sports is a perfect place to do that. And where do you see the 562 going in the future? I know you said um, you go year by year, but I'm sure in the back of your head, you have some plans to expand some things or change some things. Yeah. One of the big things that we've been able to do recently that I'm super proud of is uh, an internship program with Long Beach Unified School District. So those high schools, Polly, Wilson, Milliken, we've had kids come in. We do interviews with them uh, in August. And then we've done four in the fall and four in the spring. And these interns get to come on. Uh, we teach them how to cover stuff, how to write stuff, how to video stuff, take pictures, whatever their interest is. We just kind of let them flourish and and, and do what they want. And that's been really rewarding. Um, all we've ever wanted to do, like I said, is support the local community and to give these kids jobs like a paid internship. I would have flipped out if I had an opportunity to do a paid internship in high school. You you guys are paying these interns? Yeah, so it's, wow. a long, it's like an, a partnership with Long Beach Unified uh, that has a great program. Um, and uh, one of the guys that works with us, Tyler Hendrickson, was able to uh, procure that sis- situation where we were able to get eight kids each year. So we've done it for two years, and we're really excited to do it again. One of the kids who, um, who was our intern last year, uh, Nina Fife is now uh, running a part of our social media. She just has, has a job with us. So stuff like that is really, really cool. And we want to do more stuff like that. Go to more classes. Um, as part of our mission statement, we we want to get out into the community and help young writers find a way to do what they love, which is exactly what we were able to do. I was going to ask you, how many of these interns become a full-time employees with you? Yeah, so Nina is the first one. Uh, we've got a couple other ones who have been so good that we use them kind of as freelancers. Um, but since a lot of people asked us when we were coming up in the game to work for free, we promised that we would never have anybody work for free for us. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've been able to have these uh, paid freelancers from this internship program hang on a little bit. Some of them really like it and they want to stay. Some of them are just like, oh, thank you for the experience. Um, but uh, yeah, we're really excited to keep doing the program because we're just going to keep filling the ranks with these awesome Long Beach kids who every time we do these interviews, man, they just, they blow us out of the water. They're so smart and articulate and passionate. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised when they come from a city like this. Well, I think that's great that you say that too, because there's so much negativity uh, of high school kids about not being prepared for real life or or what have you. And I love the fact that you you actually said the absolute opposite, that these kids are are wonderful. They're very articulate and they, they, they blow you away in interviews. So you're seeing a different side of these kids. And I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's yeah, since time immemorial, right? The older generation has, has struggled to understand the younger generation. 
Um, they have more info. The kids nowadays have more information than any kid in the history of the world. They got a lot more to process. And I think that is a huge reason why there's this disconnect in the generations where they're worried about so many more things than I was or you were or our parents were. Uh, they've just got, they're just juggling so much more. Um, but if you really listen to them, they're sharp, man. They're, they're really sharp. And, uh, and if you give, an op- give them an opportunity to expand outside of their phone, for example, uh, you, will be, you will be very surprised. Is there a different way that you would manage, uh, you know, a high school kid that's an intern as opposed to somebody that might be older, that might be full staff on, on the way that you would you know, tell them to do a task? Um, yeah, but I, I think more importantly, and this is, goes back to sports, you know, any good coach knows, you know, each player needs something different. Uh, you know, some guy, some player might need a, the pat on the head or, you know, say good job. And the other one might need to get yelled at. Um, the job of a coach is to know that. So I think more than how old they are or where we found them or whatever, um, I try to give the writers or the freelancers or the interns basically exactly what they need. Um, it takes time to learn that. Yeah. You definitely have to learn a person, but if somebody needs a, if somebody needs a pat on the head, you, you, you got to give it to them. You know what I mean? You just have to find a way to do that. Um, I've noticed that a lot of the uh, interns actually respond better to direct criticism and not the two compliments and a, and a whatever, you know what I mean? If you are more direct with them, they appreciate that, that approach, that, that, that amount of information they're able to handle it. It's I, I thought I was going to have to do a little kid gloves with some of these interns, but that's not the case. That's, that's that's interesting to hear that. I, I, that's that's a beautiful thing to hear about because you hear the opposite where you kind of have to give them a little bit of fluff and then give them the criticism. But you're saying that they just want just give me what's going on. Give me yeah. what, what I need to uh, figure out. Be authentic with me and we'll, let's move forward. And I think that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the Instagramification of the world. Right. Yeah. Give, give it to me straight. Make it short. That's like move on to the next thing. There, yeah. There you go. Or the Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how, how often are you physically covering these games now? When we're in the when we're in the thick of it, when we're in the seasons, we're covering stuff every day. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we'll go we'll get out. So like, for example, in the spring, um, which is the busiest time, we've got baseball, softball, track volleyball, uh, badminton, golf, tennis, like all these things are going on. So each week we kind of sit down and look at the calendar. We're like, okay, there's a big baseball game on Wednesday. So we're definitely going to do that. Uh, Thursday, we'll have to see what happens. You know what I mean? So you kind of, you kind of have to play it by ear, but, um, but every day we're out trying to get something. And some of these sports like badminton, uh, you know, some of these track events, um, did it take you time to learn uh, the nuances of these sports? Because obviously you're covering it, so you, you kind of need to know the rules and such. So what was the learning curve there? Yeah, I well, like I said, um, growing up with my dad, he always was watching anything, right? So I played everything. Growing up, I was a completely average athlete who just worked really, really hard and enjoyed sports. Um, so I played a little bit of everything. Uh, and that came in handy in the job. I was... Uh, able to, oh, I remember the summer I played water polo or, 
uh, the two years I played roller hockey or, you know what I mean? And you, you think back to that and you kind of use that um, as like a base setting. Um, I never competitively swam, but when I was in high school, I did a video for the swim team, right? So like I was always around these different sports. So when we started writing about them, it didn't take very long to, to like you said, get the nuance and the, the jargon and, you know, the different styles and stuff like that. Like I will do a video for a football game much differently than I would a video for a softball game. You say different things. You have a different cadence, all this stuff. Um, but I played softball and I played football, you know what I mean? So I was able to kind of tap into growing up on the fields, um, and you, and use that as like my base information. Uh, but you'll always learn something new as Vince Scully said, you know, the reason why I love baseball is because every time I go to the ballpark, I see something I've never seen before. And that guy called baseball games for about 175 years. So, uh, if he's seeing new stuff every day, then I should, I should better see new stuff as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Are there others? Are there some sports harder to uh, cover than others? Um. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, covering it in a uh, in a classic fashion, just writing it is different than what we do. Like, if I go to a high school football game, I have my camera around my neck, so I film the play, and then I write down what happened in the play. Uh, if something, it's if it's something crazy, I'll tweet it out because we do live updates. And then I'll get right back to it and I'll film the next play and then write it down. So I'm doing the highlight video. I'm also doing the article and I'm also doing the live updates. So doing a highlight video, the voice you have there, the style, the things you notice, that's going to be different than what's in your article. Um, So you kind of have to be of two minds when you're doing stuff like that. But if you're writing it, everything's pretty easy. You You can find a story in literally anything. But if you're videoing it, videoing a soccer game is tough. Uh, it's a lot more difficult than doing a football game, right? Football game is start, stop, start, stop, clip, 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 clip. Soccer is just basically 90 minutes of running. So you have to kind of feel the game out because you can't film the whole thing. You kind of have to uh, put yourself in the right position. You know, are you going to stay on this side of the field or this side of the field? Can you shoot the far corner from here? Are you, is the sun at your back or in your face? And like all that stuff. That makes it more difficult on the video side. But um, writing, I'd say golf is tough to write about because there's only so many ways you can explain golf. Um, And yeah, I'd say golf and tennis are tough because, like I said, you know, there's only so many things you can do to explain it. um, And you're kind of playing against yourself in a way in those sports. Boy, as I heard you talking, you got to be on the ball, right? Yeah. You got your video camera. You got to write it down. I mean, you've been doing this for several years now. So there's got to been a time where you're like, oh, no, I dropped my camera. Oh, no, this happened. Do you have any kind of blooper story you can share with us? I I definitely have a few. Um, I, I try to always have kind of like a backup plan, you know, if the camera does something that I can use my phone or or whatever, just always be prepared. Um Luckily, knock on wood, um, I've never been like run over on the sideline. There's a couple guys I know uh, who worked in the business who weren't paying attention and got 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 clipped pretty good. Um, there was this one time. This is pretty funny. So we were driving up to Sacramento to cover a Long Beach Poly football game against Grant High School. It's like a special preseason first game of the year type thing. So myself, uh, Mike, like I said, our guy Tyler, we all drove up there. 
um, as a, it's like a road trip to go cover the game. So we had Tyler on one sideline and I was on the other sideline so that we could make sure that no matter what happened in the game, we had two camera angles. One of them was me behind the uprights and Tyler was on the sideline and there was a field goal. And so I'm standing there basically waiting for the ball to come through the upright, but it was short. So as I'm standing there, it looks like it's coming right at me. Like, like, like just dead straight at my face. So I'm standing there filming the balls kicked. It's coming at me, coming at me. And I, for lack of a better term, ducked and covered. I turned away. I tried to protect the camera. Also my, also my face, but mostly the camera. I turned away really fast. The ball never got to me. It hit the upright. So Tyler's video clip is me absolutely hitting the eject button on this situation. And the ball was nowhere near where I was. <laughs> but, but it looked like I was trying to avoid a sniper or something. And there was no reason why Tyler should have got that clip. But uh, but yeah, he just so happened to get me bailing out. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I'd like to see that clip. <laughs> so what is what is the personal goal for JJ? Where do you see yourself in the future? Um, I, I do a variety of writing. I, I'd like to get more into uh, some of that stuff. Uh, I write screenplays and short stories and uh, people's personal stories and stuff like that. I'd like to do more of that. But on the 562 end, you know, we ha- we definitely can expand. We call ourselves the 562 for a reason. It's a big, it's a big area code. It's a big area. And there's a lot of stuff going on in and around Long Beach that we still don't have the staff for or the time for. And the more we cover in this city, the more we realize that there's more to cover. And we just want to keep doing that. I want to have people available to cover stuff all the time. There's like archery competitions at El Dorado Park. You know what I mean? Like there's always something going on here athletically. Um, And I want to continue to kind of push the envelope and show people these different worlds. Uh, One of my favorite videos that we ever did was really early on in our career we woke up at uh, like five in the morning and went out and um, did a video for Long Beach State Club Crew. So these aren't scholarship athletes. These are kids who just went to Long Beach State and they wanted a crew. So they're out there rowing in Alamedos Bay at like five every, five every morning. They're, they're not getting paid. They're not on a scholarship. You know what I mean? This is just How like, we, we like being out there. Yeah. So this, so this uh, Pete Archer Rowing Center over in Marine Stadium off the bay um, that's the home of the Long Beach Yacht Club rowing and the Long Beach State Club rowing. So they've got their skulls over there. They've got them in the boathouse. Um, I don't know how they got them originally. I think it was just a donation, um, but they're actually pretty good. They like travel up and down the coast. There's always a big uh, a big one in Santa Barbara, I believe. Competition every year in Santa Barbara where all of the California schools come together. Um, I think they call it a regatta really really fun to go watch um but to go at five in the morning and to see the dedication of these people um and then we did the video and we just kind of interviewed them like why what are you doing why why are you doing this i think people really responded to that because they were like i've lived in long beach for a long time i had no idea that these kids were just volunteering their time to be on a club crew team yeah that's that's amazing that shows again the passion that that kids have and and you know, and that you have for 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 Long Beach and for these local sports, I think it's fantastic. Also, sunrise over Alamitos Bay at five in the morning is not too shabby. 
got some real got some real nice artistic clips out there. I felt like Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> right. Oh, you so you've gotten up and, and and covered them yourself? Yeah, that was the that was the most fun was was waking up um and going out there and just like re- realizing how much much of a struggle it was for me and my friend Mike to wake up once. And they were, they were doing it every morning. Yeah. Um and then to get out there and and yeah, just being out there in the morning was really, really fun. Well, that brings another question in my head, uh, you know, because like, like I said, like you talked about, you're on the ball, you're, you're, you're go, go, go pretty much from, from September all the way to June with different stuff. And I'm sure you're covering stuff in the summer as well. Um, what prevents you from, from burnout? I know that you love what you do and I love that. I know that there's passion, but when you're in the thick of it in the springtime, when you're covering every single event, every single day, and, you know, you're like, oh, man, the, the fatigue comes in. So what do you do to keep yourself, uh, you know, present and moving forward? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, because early on in our careers, we definitely struggled with it. Uh, Mike and I would have an argument every fall or every February. Um, it was like clockwork because we would get there and then something would make you upset. And you're like, this would not have made me upset in October. But because it's February and it's the it's a, a really busy time there because it's the beginning of the spring sports, but also the fall, the winter playoff sports, basketball playoffs, um, soccer playoffs, and they always take a really long time. So it's just a really long grind right there into February. And yeah, we we definitely struggled with it. One of the ways in which we uh, dealt with that was kind of not forcing each other, but be, being on each other about taking vacations or taking a day off or you know whatever it was. Um, you do you do have to find time to step away. Now, what's funny about working in the thing that you love? Usually, when I'm not working on sports, I'm watching sports. So <laughs> <laughs> there's not much uh, there's not much reprieve there. But um, but yeah, you definitely do have to to step away a little bit. Um, I a couple of years ago, I got a an RV, a really old RV. She's beautiful, an El Dorado 1975, and uh, all original. And being able to take the RV out into the desert a little bit, you know what I mean? Turn the phone off, um, yeah. just just listen to the nothing. That's that's been really nice for me too. Um, and uh, Mike's got two uh, two little ones, two kids. Um, I think they're going to Disneyland again this week. So yeah, you gotta find, you gotta find a little bit of stuff to pull you away. Um, but when you work in your passion, you're always thinking about it, right? Yeah. People are people are always asking me like, "Oh, JJ, are you, why are you working?" And I'm always saying, "I'm always working." Because I'm always looking for a story. I'm always looking for something that uh, that can, you know, shine a light on this community at all times. And uh, as much as you do have to, you know, find a, a, a way to get away, I don't want to most of the time. Most of the time, it's just like, what's going on? Let's do that. Yeah. So you have FOMO. You have FOMO. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard for you when you go out in the desert and and, and turn off your phone. I'm, I'm sure it's it's needed. It is needed, but it is hard. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So what would you give advice to? And I, and I'm sure you give advice all the time because you have paid interns, but what advice do you give, you know, kids in high school coming into college that want to do what you, that you, something that you're doing when you have some other people saying, ah, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't do it. You know, it, it might not be very lucrative for you. What advice do you have for that? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I will not lie. Um, it's not the uh, most lucrative of uh, of careers. Um, but if I were giving advice to somebody, and this is actually what I give the, the kids when we go to the high schools and the colleges, 
um, in those classrooms, it's always do as much as possible. Don't just be a writer, be a writer and a photographer. Don't just be a photographer, be a photographer and a videographer. Don't be, you know what I mean? You can't in, in today's media uh, landscape, you can't just do one thing. You can, you should be able to do a lot of things. If you can write an article, you should be able to get on a podcast and talk about that article. That was never a prerequisite for, for journalism before, but now you have to do that. And it takes practice. You know, when, when we were, what was that? 2007. We've been podcasting since 2007. This is like way before it was popular. I always wanted to be on the radio of like a radio voice and podcasting was the perfect opportunity to do that. But we weren't good. We had to practice. You had to get your reps in. You had to keep working at it. And you will eventually get better. And if I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have been as comfortable doing the highlight videos. Or, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it kind of all connects. So you can't just be one thing anymore. You got to be able to do multiple things multiple ways. And I know that sounds more difficult, but it's also really exciting. You know, we, we are living in a really, really exciting time for news and media and journalism where the future is kind of wide open. It can be whatever we want it to be. That hasn't been the case. And now we can kind of shape what we want. Again, the same reason why we think something like the 562.org can be successful on a larger scale, not just with sports, with news, because it can be anything you want. And if you have, again, skin in the game, you can change that. And so that, that I try to look at it as a, as a positive, like look at all these opportunities you have. You can do a little bit of everything as opposed to, uh, you know, it's not your dad's newspaper job anymore. I think that's a great point being versatile in a lot of other, other aspects. And I think that goes for any type of field um, uh, with the uh, advancement of AI and technology, there's going to be a lot of jobs that are, are, are going to be eliminated, but because of AI and because of technology, there's going to be jobs that we've never even heard of yet that are going to yep. be created because of these these systems. So, so for you to say being versatile and learning different uh, tools, I think is 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 crucial because I feel like gone, there's going to be gone with the day where you're going to have one job and that's going to be your job the rest of your life, and then you're going to retire. It's just not our reality anymore. You're going to be so many things. So I think it's 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 cool that these kids at you know at 22, 23 years old and they say I don't know what I want to do. I don't think they should be uh, sweating that. I don't think they should be frustrated with that because yes, in in, in long term, whatever they're going to do is probably going to be something they're going to do for a few years and then they're going to change and it's going to be something else. It's going to be something else. So yeah, to, to have all your eggs in one basket, I think is 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 it might not be the uh, the right approach. What, what is your opinion on that? No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, you yeah, versatile is the is the best word for it. Um, you also, I think, I think a really important thing, specifically in media, is ask smart questions. And I don't mean like oh, ask a question that's going to stump someone or that they don't know. That I mean, ask a question and be and really be ready to listen to the answer and don't judge the answerer or whatever. Like really, actually get the information. That is just the information, just the base. Ask smart questions. That's just good advice in life. But um, if you're in a in a situation where you have, you're trying to break in in a job or you're trying to break in in a company or whatever, uh, the people who are intelligently engaged and are asking smart questions are always the people who get ahead at that job. Um, 
And, and like we're saying, you know, being versatile, it's, you're going to have to ask questions about things you don't know. Um, but if you're asking smart questions and you're really listening, that's going to go a really, really long way, especially in journalism. And probably doing your homework, I think is huge. In <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Being prepared is very important. I always also say, uh, if you've got more information that you could fit into the article, you're doing it right. If you used all the information you had in the article, you probably didn't do enough work. So, so true. Well, I really, really have enjoyed our, our conversation. Is there anything that you're working on that we need to know, or how can we get in touch with you and your organization? Yeah, the 562.org is free. Uh, that's another thing that we were really, really important to us. Um, when we were coming up, you know, people putting news online, uh, there's been a lot of paywall and uh, confusion as to what's worth what online. And ours is free. We we want the family from the west side of Long Beach to have the same access to this coverage as a family who lives in Belmont Shore. So people donate. And we are so appreciative of the community because we wouldn't be here without it. Um, but we wanted to make sure that it was free. So any any amount of support that anybody can give the 562.org is a direct reflection in the coverage. If we have more money to spend, we will spend more money. You know what I mean? We wanted to make it a nonprofit so that it wasn't for you know any public or anything like that. We wanted to keep it keep it small, keep it here, keep it us. Um, so, you know, there's a bunch of different ways, uh, people can support the 562.org by subscribing or donating, um, or just spreading the word about it that, you know, that's really important too. Um, you know, we're getting millions of views on our YouTube channel, uh, every year. And that's just because we've just been doing it for a long time and, and, and kind of procuring that, that fandom, um, but we couldn't, like I said, we couldn't do it without the, the donation. So if anybody is interested in what we're doing, and how we're doing it, you know, there's information all over the website uh, about me and Mike and our, and our past and kind of what we want in the future and our, our mission statement and stuff like that. Um, but we make the joke, if everybody who went to the 562 and enjoyed the coverage gave $1, we'd never have to raise money ever again. Mm. So <laughs> any little bit helps. And uh, and like I said, I think we are, I think we are blazing the trail. And I don't mean to say that because, oh, we want to or we want to have credit for it. No, it's just, it was the opportunity that presented itself and we wanted to take it. Um, but I can see in the future more locally funded, community funded nonprofit organizations providing the news for their own communities because you trust what you know. And you can donate right on the website, right? You just go on the website and there's there's an option to do that right then and there, right? Yep, right on the top right-hand corner, it's a big subscribe button. And then there's also a big donate button on there as well. Excellent, excellent. Let me leave you with a kind of a fun question that I always ask all, all our guests at the end. Give us a few cool places to eat in Long Beach. Ooh, I like this. I like this a lot. Um, again, man, I just love this city so much. It's it, just talking to you about it right now is just sparking that love again. Because there, there are so many different types of people and communities in one city. It's like seven, you know what I mean? Seven or eight small towns. Some of the places I love, I'll give you some, I'll give you some real random ones. Okay. Okay. Delhi news. You ever heard of that? Yeah. That's, uh, that's off of uh, Stearns and, and Bellflower in the shopping center next to Target, correct? That's right. Yeah. It's right next to uh, the comic book store and a spa area. Uh, Delhi news is phenomenal. I don't know what they do to that dough, 
but it is so the pizza there is so good. They've got a great lunch deal. Um, it's like from like 11 to three or something. You can get a slice and a salad and a, and a soda. Um, and we used to go there all the time when we were in school, go over there and get like a medium pizza and just eat it for like the entire day. <laughs> uh, when we were in the dorms, the deli news is a great spot. Um, what's a, let me think of one over here on, uh, on fourth street. Um, Ooh, Ooh, this is a good one. Fourth and what's that? Orizaba? Abisbo. Fourth and Abisbo. La Taqueria. It's uh, on the corner. There's a big, there's a big uh, cartoon on the side of it. And when you wait to get your food, it's like kind of inside, outside. There's like this glass partition area. Um, I, I have never gotten anything from there I didn't like. Uh, it's like authentic Mexican food. Um, it takes a while to, to cook, which means it's going to be really, really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, La Taqueria is, is one of my favorite Mexican food places. I've driven past there many times. I've never stopped there. So I'm definitely, point to definitely stop check now. it out. Definitely check it out. Um, and last one, I'll do an obvious one. Last one is Park Pantry. It's right there next to uh, Cherry Park. Um, easy diner. Broadway, style. right? Broadway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadway and uh, Junipero, I think. Uh, easy, like breakfast style, you know, diner. Just get in there, get out. Just go in there, read new, read a newspaper, sip a coffee, have a bagel, like that. I, I, I always love doing that, sitting there with the newspaper. Um, and Park Pantry is just a beautiful place to do that, and also surprisingly affordable price points. In Park Pantry, which I appreciate. It's been a long time since I've been there. I'll have to go back. I haven't been there, but I agree with you. It's, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite spots in the city, let alone spots to eat. Right on. Well, JJ, it was a pleasure getting to know you. Um, thank you for your time. I know you're extremely busy, but I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and uh, thank you for doing this show. Uh, you know, when when you work in a city like Long Beach, you want everybody to be as excited about it as you, and to know that you're out here doing a podcast about this fair city is. Uh, is inspiring. I, I really, I really appreciate it. And, uh, and I wish you the best of luck, man. This is, this is a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Well, it's been a long beach thing. Thank you for tuning into it's a long beach thing. Please tune in next time for another great episode. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.